everybody, and you're listening to Two Button Crew Podcast. This is episode 17, and we've got a very exciting topic today. It's the Breath of the Wild sequel. I'm Scott. I'm joined by Glenn. How's it going, Glenn? It's going well. And I'd like to introduce our special guest, Game Over Jesse. How are you doing, Jesse? I am great. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Of course. So Jesse is our uh, Zelda expert here. And uh, also, just one of Two Button Crew's biggest supporters, if we go back three years when we were first getting started, uh, did a lot of collaborations with him, and um, have always been flattered about the nice things he has to say about our channel and our content, so it's, uh, you've been a very encouraging partner, Jesse, so thank you so much for helping our channel and now our podcast. Well, thank you for all of the many wonderful hours of video content. <laughs> you're welcome. I hope you're still enjoying the backlog once in a while now that we're uh, not too consistent anymore. But something as exciting as a Breath of the Wild sequel, uh, that makes us get back on the microphones. So yeah, why did you want to do this episode, Glenn? Well, because I just think it's... uh, Breath of the Wild is a a well-received game, but I think it'd be interesting to hear all of our thoughts and opinions on not only what we expect, but also what we want to see about... uh, from this sequel yeah definitely so real quick has anybody here played breath of the wild recently because i've actually just gotten back into it i actually went and tried to do a live stream of it last night but it was the most horrible thing because it's really it's been such a long time since i've actually tried playing the game and uh last night I was having some audio sync issues with the capture card and everything, so I was uh, hearing it the audio from my computer, which was like two seconds late from oh, yeah. the actual game on the screen. So I was getting the audio like two seconds behind, and I kept trying to press the A button to jump, like in most games, instead of pressing the X button. Yeah. And yeah, it it was just a horrible experience, but it was it was great to just run around back in the world again. I think a lot of people went back to try to do it after Breath of the Wild Two was announced. So yeah, yeah, there are a lot of controls in that game. There's just so many things to remember, and you have to remember which uh, shoulder button to to press the top one or the bottom one, left one, the right one, and then there's pause menus with the minus button, the plus one button. Those are different. So it takes a little bit of a learning curve, I think. Yeah. Hopefully simplified controls is, I I don't think it's likely, but hopefully that's one of the things that they look into. Yeah. Have you played recently, Glenn? Uh, No, I I have not gone back uh, to it. I kind of want to get around to getting the last few moons in Mario Odyssey, but I haven't been doing that here of late either. But yeah, so I've I, I've just had I've been really busy and starting uh, a, a really long game like that while I'm already working on other games in my backlog. Just not yeah. I plan on doing it sometime before the game comes out, but uh, it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, ever since I stopped playing Breath of the Wild like a month or two after the Switch came out, I've wanted to go back and finish off my shrines. So I did go back when each of the DLC packs dropped a little bit, but I actually didn't finish the Champion's Ballad. So right now my plan is finish the Champion's Ballad, get the motorcycle, drive all around Hyrule, and get the last like 15 shrines, which I'm missing, which are all shrine quests. So that'll take me a little while, but uh, it's definitely fun and 
has me excited for the sequel. And uh, speaking of the sequel, what did you guys think when you saw that trailer uh, at E3? It's like Nintendo is doing their one more thing, and it was Banjo and Kazooie. And Kazooie, I'll say I'll say that again. And it was Banjo and Kazooie. And then all of a sudden, there's one more one more thing. So yeah, what were your initial reactions? Uh, well, it. Gosh, uh, it, it was just sort of like, okay, they're swirling colors. Oh, wait, that looks like Breath of the Wild. Is this a sequel? And I was kind of on the edge of my seat. So, yeah, it, it was exciting. It definitely was a, a you know a great little way to uh, cap off the uh, uh, E3 Direct. Jesse? Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were done. <laughs> uh, so whenever I seen it, I my friends and I, we were at our Airbnb because uh, we went to LA for E3 and we were all just sitting around watching uh, we were actually doing a live stream for it and whenever it first came up uh, my thoughts were that they were showing off something for Metroid because like mm-hmm. they, the one year they just had the, the title and then earlier this year they announced they were completely starting over so I was thinking maybe they had like a short five second trailer or something like whenever they first showed off uh, Zelda Wii U as it was first known to where it was just the open world and then Link on a Pona riding through a little uh, bridge going over a creek or a river and the Guardian chasing him. I thought it was going to be something like that, but for Metroid Prime 4. And then it started, like the music started sounding more like Zelda. The, the green swirls, uh, there's people and the airbnb with us that started noticing like it looked like highland or gerudo text forming and then you started to see link and zelda and everyone completely freaked out but yeah. i i seen it and it was a nice surprise but it didn't necessarily like blow my mind that it was happening because they had announced as soon as breath of the wild had ended that they were starting on the next big Zelda game. And they kept on talking about how much they loved the world of Breath of the Wild, that it kind of seemed obvious they were going to do some sort of sequel to it, whether it was going to be like a Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time type thing, or if it was going to be uh, I'd like uh, something completely different, but still keeping the same style. And whenever I seen that it was the Breath of the Wild 2, like a direct sequel, it kind of made sense because like at the very end, are we allowed to talk about spoilers? I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Game's been out for like two years. Alright, at the very end of Breath of the Wild, uh, I think it's like the true ending or whatever. Zelda mentioned something about uh, Valruto has been acting strange and we have to go talk to the the king or the Zora Mm -hmm. guy, whatever, uh, so we can figure out what's wrong. And it made me think that that was going to be resolved in DLC, which didn't happen. So they kind of left it open ending. Like, you can fill in the blank for yourself or are they going to try to cover this in an actual sequel? Um, And then all of the other stuff uh, with how Breath of the Wild was delayed. There's a bunch of different reasons about them not getting the uh, the physics engine correct. They had trouble um, 
building it for the Wii U and Breath of the Wild at the same time. And then there was something with the story where they almost completely changed the story from the original idea they had. But they mentioned that the biggest problem was getting the physics engine working perfectly. Yeah. And that was the cause for the longest delay. And since they already have it working perfectly and they already have all the character models and everything, the engine's basically already perfect. Then the biggest hurdle they had with the original game is already gone. So if Mm. they wanted to start on Breath of the Wild 2, most of the work's already done. So makes sense. Yeah. So as an E3 attendee, was there a moment when you were hoping it was about to be playable? Yeah, that 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 was a big thing, but I I wasn't really expecting it that much. Okay, that's good. Yeah, there was a there were some people that got in like a few days early. They were there with um like the the different companies exhibitors i think is what they were oh yeah Yeah. so they got to go in a few days before even like the actual media people and they were texting and saying like what kind of stuff they had up and there was nothing related to breath of the wild or breath of the wild 2 or anything the only zelda thing there was the Link's awakening thing so i wasn't really expecting Breath of the Wild 2. It would have been amazing if they did, but sadly I'd probably have to wait till next year. Yeah, well that's good that you had your expectations in check. That's the main thing that helps with being an, uh, at E3 or watching E3 is you know, not expecting the world and the moon and everything. Uh, okay, so let's get into a little bit of the story. And I'm going to rely more on you guys because I was telling Glenn earlier this week that Sadly, my brain can't handle games with lore, so I have so much respect for what you do, Jesse, with all the uh, theories and examining the stories and uh, the timeline and everything like that. Um, It is so beyond me, Uh, but I'm curious if either of you have thoughts on how long it's been since Breath of the Wild where this trailer takes place. Jesse, you want to handle this one first? Well, if it does continue from the links, or not, I was going to say Link's Awakening. No, if it continues from the end of Breath of the Wild to where it has that cutscene that I was mentioning earlier, and so it's like, oh, Valruta's been acting weird lately. Let's go see what's going on. If it does happen, like directly after that, and then they go and they examine whatever's going on. And then they find out, well, maybe it has something to do with, like, maybe Ganon isn't completely gone or whatever. So then they go to uh, Hyrule Castle, like, directly after that. Or maybe it's, like, a few months later. And Zelda, like, while they're repairing Hyrule Castle Town and everything, they just find, uh, like, some hidden room or something. Or... Even Zelda could be like, hey, I was trapped in the castle for a hundred years and there was mm-hmm. this this weird room that I noticed while I was just stuck there with nothing to do for a hundred years. So let's yeah. go check that out. Uh, th- there's a bunch of different things that they could do, but I, I could see it happening no more than a year in the future. 
no no more than a year and i think it's got to be no less than an hour because that's probably the time it would take for zelda to get her haircut yeah well i mean and link would have to get uh put on a chainmail shirt under his uh champion tunic and all of that so uh, yeah but he does that in the pause menu so technically no time passes yeah so I'm I'm thinking I, I'm I'm with Jesse on this one. I think it's probably somewhere between three to I don't know eight months from uh, the the previous game. Yeah, that sounds good. So you mentioned uh, you know it could be this mysterious room. It could be that Ganon is still alive. Is that who you're leaning towards? This corpse being? Yeah, there was. Uh, a, I've heard a bunch of different. Uh, crazy theory. Some are interesting. Some are just I don't know. Like I made up uh, my own crazy theory just for fun because of some of the other crazy theories I was hearing from people. Yeah. Uh, like whenever we uh, we interviewed uh, Pierce Schneider from IGN, and he mentioned that he thought it might be demise, and then some other people were thinking it might be Ganondorf, but a Ganondorf who was a hero or like the original hero that's on the the map that has the story oh, if you guys know what i'm talking about yeah that uh, didn't look because, like link <laughs> yeah because he has like the long red hair and everything which ganondorf has huh. uh, so there was all these crazy theories and i did a, a top five video putting five of the most popular theories together and as a joke for my honorable mention or the bonus i said that it was tingle that tingle <laughs> was the original hero and that's why it wasn't in breath of the wild because a hundred years ago or ten thousand years ago or whatever he sealed himself to stop ganondorf or ganon and that's why his outfit is dlc in breath of the wild he has an island named after him but he isn't in the actual game. So that was just like a fun little stupid thing that I came up with. But I kind of like the idea wow. of, of the corpse being uh, like a, a hero version of Ganondorf. Like if you played Wind Waker, he, the story he gives comes off as if he was trying to be the hero to the Gerudo, but he just did it in the worst way possible. And... If it's something similar like that, or he finds out that all the bad stuff that he was doing wasn't really his fault, it was just a curse that he was born with, like a bunch of other people, <laughs> then maybe he tried doing something to separate himself from that curse, and that's why on the map it looks like Ganondorf is fighting against Ganon, and then maybe he wasn't able to defeat him, so he just sealed himself to seal Ganon, or used his self as a vessel to seal Ganon because we always see like in Skyward Sword Zelda seals herself to seal Demise and then all the other games uh, well huh. Breath of the Wild again Zelda seals herself to seal Calamity Ganon for that hundred years so there's a bunch of different stuff going yeah, on and that but I, I think that happens in, uh, in Twilight Princess when she gives like her part of the Triforce of Midna or whatever happened there, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what was going on there. Some people think that, like, I've heard some crazy theories about that too. Like Zelda, like, gave up her life or something uh, because she knew that she wouldn't be able to stop 
Ganondorf or Zant, so she gave her power to Mid- Midna, but I don't know. Um, but with this, I think it's Ganondorf, uh, whether it's just the same old Ganondorf that we've always known that was sealed because he was doing something evil, or if he, if they try to flip the script and make him out to where he was trying to be the hero, I don't know, but I think it is Ganondorf. I just don't know if it'll be like good Ganon or bad Ganon. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Ganondorf. Um, I think it would actually be really interesting because they the, the gorillas say that uh, a, a male child is born to them every hundred years. So it would be really interesting, in my opinion, if it was another male Gerudo because we just they, they say that and yet we've never actually seen any proof of it. So yeah. um, I think that would be an interesting direction. But yeah, it's it's probably Ganondorf. The only would, time, sorry, I was gonna say the only time I can think of that they had another male was in Four Swords Adventures, which also had Ganondorf, but it was supposed to be a completely different Ganondorf. Huh. So it was canonically the second Ganon because all of the others were just the original from Ocarina of Time. Really? But this I... one was the actual second Ganondorf. Huh. I don't remember that. I'll have to go back and check that. He wasn't in the actual game, but it, it just talks about him in the backstory. And okay. then, uh, like, he doesn't agree with the Gerudo ways, so he's, like, banished from the tribe, and then he tries to go to the pyramid to get the, uh, what is it, the staff thing, the trident. And then the trident turns him into Ganon. I would really like the zombie Ganondorf or whatever the zombie is to remain in that form for the entire game. I think the trailer was pretty good. Uh, it got better and creepier as it went, and especially ending with that shot of uh, the neck cracking and him kind of looking at us upside down. Like That is such a solid villain that I would love it if he just stayed that way and you actually fought him in that form throughout the game or at the end of the game. I don't like it so much when the when the villains change or like take Zant for example he was so cool in the build up uh, in Twilight Princess but it just got silly when he took the helmet off like with the helmet on he was such an imposing force on the screen um, didn't like it so much when he showed his actual face and then uh, I really liked sorry what was the villain in Skyward Sword the white guy Gearheim love him and I'd like him in Smash Bros too but uh but he got kind of silly towards the end of Skyward Sword as well and um he so got my, silly my, dude was silly from the start I mean yeah they made him less cool and just a part of Demise's sword and whatnot okay um, that yeah I I can understand that so what I would like to see is the zombie be the enemy uh, because he's pretty cool have you ever seen the movie uh, The Mummy from no. the, the 90s or the early 2000s? Um, it had, it's the, the movie The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, and I think it's him. Uh, and Brendan throughout Fraser? the Yeah. Uh-huh. And throughout the movie, The Mummy, uh, like it starts out looking how you'd expect, uh, like a thousand, two thousand year old mummy looking. 
And then as the story goes on and he collects these things, it starts making him turn more and more into how he used to look. And I wonder if they'll do something like that with this game. Like, huh. it's uh, it might be sort of a race to stop Ganondorf before he can be complete to his true power or whatever. So when he first wakes up, he looks like this zombie but then by the time you fight him at the end of the game, it's the Ganondorf that we all know. Or maybe if they want to do the non-linear route again, uh, it could be that he you know, is more uh, fully realized. The fewer of the whatever quests you have to do, dungeons. And so you know, by the end of it, you know, if you do all of them, he's still a corpse. But if not, he's like fully powered up. Would you be opposed to that? Uh, I suppose not. I mean, if they do it, if they do it the right way. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be less scary if they made him human. Yeah. But that was also something that they said in an interview, that they wanted this game to be... I don't know what the actual quote was, but they said they wanted it to be like the darkest Zelda game, more darker than Majora's Mask was, or something like that. Which, yeah. it definitely looks like it. <laughs> well, I mean, so long as it's earned, like if it's, it's it's so easy to make something dark for its own sake, and then it it just kind of becomes comically over the top and how hard they're trying. Yeah. So after our brief glimpse of the corpse, we also got a brief glimpse of the setting, which uh, could be the same Hyrule, could be a little bit different. I know that Nintendo wants to recoup the enormous development costs of that engine and of Hyrule from Breath of the Wild. So what do you think? Will we be retreading some ground, or are they going to differentiate it enough from the first game? Yeah, well, it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, based on what they say, it's probably going to be the same high rule in principle. Uh, I don't think it's going to like pick up and go to another location like Holodrum or whatever. But um, I, I do think that it they are going to change some things. You know, there's going to be probably a, a new set of like something analogous to shrines and there's probably going to be uh some new uh landmarks just like uh just what i would like to see is you know the whole thing just kind of upsets the landscape and so you know mountains are like toppled and there's like craters and places and stuff but so uh what what about you jesse yeah that would be interesting my hope uh for DLC before we got the Champion's Ballad was that when the game ended and it had Link and Zelda standing on the hill looking over Hyrule that they would be like, oh, Ganon's finally, like, we stopped him. This is great. And then, like, on the horizon, like a purple cloud-filled sky just, Mm -hmm. like, slowly starts to, like, wash over Hyrule. And the DLC would basically be you playing through like a Dark World version of this Hyrule. And I wonder if that might be what they try to do. To oh, where... so kind of bring back the light and dark world mechanic from uh, uh, 
Link to the Past and Link Between Worlds, huh? Yeah, that way they can... And Twilight Princess. Yeah. Mm, well, Twilight Princess is sort of. kind of a half example, if you ask me. They, all, they had the different provinces get their Twilight versions, but nothing really changed other than like the color and stuff. Yeah. But something more like the Dark World or Low World to where like the basic geography stays the same, but it's just things in the area are different. That way I think they could reuse it and I would like to see more things like Terrytown. Like there's a lot of villages and stuff that you would see destroyed in Breath of the Wild. If you could go to them and rebuild them over time like you could with Terrytown and Breath of the Wild and eventually rebuild all of Hyrule, I think it would be really great to go through and explore all of these places. Like it would give an actual reason to go back to some of these places because in your head you'd be like oh right there was uh like there's the ruins of lawn lawn ranch like just to the north of the great plateau let's go there and try to rebuild it and then once you rebuild it you get a place to see all of your horses or whatever running around i don't know i think stuff like that would be a really good idea to actually revisit the same Hyrule and not be bored. Yeah, I, like a lot. Uh, I, I really like the, the idea of the light and dark world. Um, and, of course, I, I think Breath of the Wild, one of my major issues with the setting was that there just weren't enough towns. Like, you have this huge map and you're telling me that there aren't more settlements. Because it, it, it was one of those things where it really felt like it was every race just kind of had its own settlement. So you had the Highland settlement, you had the Rito settlement and stuff. And I, I know that there was places like Terrytown and that one coastal village that really didn't have any interesting stuff happening in it. So I'm not sure why it was there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I would love to, I, I'm, you know, like Lon Lon Ranch. I think that actually sounds great where you can just see the horses that you've caught running around. Um, yeah, so definitely would like to have some more uh, settlement building kind of stuff. I like that. It's focusing on, well, it's keeping the setting from Breath of the Wild 1, but also focusing on changing it or restoring it, which is good because in that first game it was so post-apocalyptic. It'd be nice to you know, get rid of the shadows that are encroaching from the corpse and, and let those uh, settlements kind of get a fresh start yeah i i do think it, i i just realized that it may not be likely though because that the, the idea of building settlements just innately has kind of an optimism and while that doesn't necessarily conflict with you doing a darker story it you know it it, it i i it, it doesn't really um necessarily lend itself to that direction either so it may be that their intent on a darker tone, you know, will mean that that's not likely. But I would I would love to see that. I I thought that one of the issue one of the issues I had with Breath of the Wild is I didn't feel like a whole lot of the stuff I did actually had an effect on the environment. Yeah, I mean, especially with beating the game, you never get to see how the villagers react to Ganon being destroyed because your save file stops before you do that yeah which is it, it's actually interesting that you bring that up because i remember an interview with alan uma to where he 
said that they were going to put a big focus on having a dynamic overworld to where what something that you do will have an action or an impact on the environment around you. And really the only place that that happens is aside from just chopping down a tree or burning a bush or something is Terrytown. Like that, that's basically it. Yeah. So I wonder if they planned on doing that for a bunch of other areas and then decided it would just delay the game even longer. So they put it to the side to work on what they absolutely needed. They should have Animal Crossing New Horizons inside of Breath of the Wild, or Breath of the Wild 2 could just be set in your New Horizons island. Yeah. Huh? Like, they, they have, um, well, what's the island, like, to the north of the map that you have to go to? Um, in Breath of the Wild? Yeah, you get all of your stuff, like, stripped away from you. Oh, uh, oh Evertide? Uh, Eventide? Yeah, just change Eventide Island to your new <laughs> island in Animal Crossing. That would actually be a mind-blowing crossover. Yeah, some, something I just remembered that I heard, uh, I think it was Al Newman, is that, is that there's going to be a greater focus on caves. They didn't have really time to make an extensive cave system. So... Um, uh, well, technically, all the shrines were caves underground. <laughs> I but think there's a difference between an underground structure and a cave. A cave implies that yeah. it's naturally. Anyway, um, but Sorry, yeah, so joke. there's there's going to be a lot more <laughs> nooks and crannies in this this time around to explore. Tom Nook. <laughs> anyway, so uh, what if you can visit your uh, Super Mario Maker two castle as well? They should just have cameos from, like, whatever save files you have. Anyway. Well, let's get into gameplay, because that's what we're all really here for, right? And something that a lot of people jumped to conclusions about was a playable Zelda, which brought me back to the reveal of Breath of the Wild 1, because in that one, Link looked a little bit, uh, how do you say this word, androgynous? So... Link looked a little bit androgynous, and people were wondering if that was actually Zelda or a female Link. And we're kind of getting that rumor mill started again. It may or may not have been intentional from Nintendo to plant this idea in our minds, but because Link and Zelda were side-by-side, side, adventuring together, and even smaller details like her haircut might be easier to animate as a playable character than someone with long flowing hair, well, uh, the, the question is on the table. Okay, so I mentioned this in our TBC Direct that we did a couple weeks ago, but um, I think the Monolith, uh, Monolith Soft, who helps uh, helped with the original Breath of the Wild, uh, released some artwork in like a, uh, some sort of job posting. And in it, there was a woman in like plate armor uh, who had blonde hair that was bobbed in the style that Zelda had. Uh, so I think just based on that, it's quite likely that that was uh, that that is something that's going to happen. Um, so I, I think really the question is what are the gameplay implications of whether or not there's a playable Zelda? Uh, is, you know, what will that be? Will will she be just a reskin of Link, or will there actually be differences between the two? So, hmm. 
I think there would be uh, some big differences. I would actually prefer it if um, I know with Twilight Princess, they originally had Sheik return in it before they ended up changing the story. Um, and then they used the character model for Sheik in Melee or Brawl. I forget uh, which one. Yeah. Um, so it makes me wonder if they'll do something similar to that, to where maybe she doesn't want people thinking, oh, the princess is out like risking her life trying to do whatever. Um, so would she go into a costume as Sheik? Or would she stay as Zelda? Because I imagine the two having very different types of powers. Like in Twilight Princess, Zelda, like she'll shoot the bow at Ganondorf when you're on horseback. Ocarina of Time, she just uses the her magic to give you the light arrows. And then she uses the light to hold down Beast Ganon. I can't really think of anything else that she does combat-wise, but I imagine her having... Like, I could see her getting the Sheikah Slate back. I think that would be interesting. And then Link would go back to using actual weapons and items. Like, instead of the Sheikah Slate bomb, he would use an actual... Yeah, that's that's actually what, what I was thinking. Gosh darn it, you stole my thunder. I was I'm thinking sorry. so here here okay, here's my theory. It is a little bit different than yours. But my theory is Zelda's going to have the Sheikah slate. So if you liked how Link controlled in the first Breath of the Wild, uh you play as Zelda. And then Link, we see he has his hand all glowy. That's going I think that's going to be a completely new set of magic powers. And so that they have uh, completely different ability sets. And so, you know, you pick Zelda to play like you did in the first Breath of the Wild, and then you pick Link to have all of these flashy new abilities. Yeah. I, whenever I seen that hand thing, um, I, I thought it was just going to be a, just a different type of ability. Like how Link gets the different abilities from the champions this game. Maybe he doesn't get them from new champions, but it, somehow he just unlocks them as the game goes to where whatever that hand thing is like he gets that kind of like how he got like dense fire and uh furore's wind and everything in ocarina of time yeah and that that's also uh now that you mention it that does sound very plausible as well um so scott what what do you think about do you how do you think zelda and link would differ in gameplay (sighs) Well, first of all, I just think it's about time for it to happen, and Nintendo and Aonuma and his team are probably thinking very hard about what they can improve on this game that got 10 out of 10s. And I think when Breath of the Wild was released, or announced, revealed, I should say, when Breath of the Wild was revealed, I think that they were kind of taken aback by how much excitement there was about the idea of Link possibly being female. So I think it's just time for them to start breaking some of the storyline conventions the breath of the wild development theme was break the conventions but they didn't do that when it comes to story they made the game open world and they completely changed the controls and they built it around physics and everything but i think it's time for the storyline conventions to be broken whether that means ganondorf's the hero or uh, you can play as zelda Uh, 
and Zelda takes a more active role in, in shaping Hyrule instead of Link uh, each time. I think that'd be great. And as far as how Nintendo will do it, my first thought was co-op, just because they were adventuring together and how that seems to be their approach on Switch is uh, split a Joy-Con, build a Mario Maker level together, or someone plays as Gooigi, someone plays as Luigi. But I don't know if they'll actually do that because there's, like we were saying earlier, there's just so many controls. You can't really split Joy-Con and play co-op. Uh, they could require someone to have a pro controller and the other person to have a Joy-Con grip or another pro controller. But I think what's more likely is just switching back and forth between Link and Zelda and having more puzzle elements that way. Like Link gets stuck in a shrine and Zelda has to go stand on a button for him to proceed, that kind of thing. So you think that it, it would be switching back and forth and you'd have two characters at once. Okay, I figured it'd be one of those things where you like you had an A scenario and a B, B scenario and you played them separately. Uh, has Nintendo ever done that? Uh, hmm. I can't think of. Well, I'm the sure only thing I that... could come up with an example, but I, I don't want to spend a bunch of time on the podcast going. Duh. <laughs> well, it. Yeah. Well, that's Capcom. Like, if we're talking Capcom, mm. Resident Evil games do that a yeah. lot of times. Okay, that's true. Yeah. But but, but Nintendo, their style seems to be more like what I just played with Ryan when he was over here, box boy and box girl. Like you're both trying to get through the same puzzle, but you have to uh, work together and proceed at different times. Yeah. That's what they did in the one side quest of Majora's mask when you're in the thieves hideout and you Mm -hmm. have to switch back and forth between link and cafe. I think is his name. Purple hair kid. Yeah. Cafe, something like that. Yeah. So I, I think it would be, nice if they had that to where you could switch back and forth but multiplayer was optional if you wanted to do it because Mm -hmm. when they announced the first uh like that first nintendo direct where they actually mentioned zelda wii u alongside wind waker hd Mm -hmm. i think even hyrule warriors they announced um like the things that they were changing about the Zelda series. And one of the things that Aonuma said was that he didn't want you to think of Zelda Wii U as a single player experience or something like that. Yeah. Breath of the Wild comes out and it's completely a single player experience. Like it, there's not even Miiverse, which yeah. you could even say, well, it's not a single player experience. It has Miiverse. You can write letters and bottles and communicate <laughs> with people. Or the the stamps in Twilight Princess, but when the game released, it was completely uh, single player. And then I thought something that they might have tried to have done when they had the idea of making it multiplayer would be maybe having the champions go along with you, or in the same way that you can summon Wolf Link, like instead of the computer controlling Wolf Link, if someone could just pick up a second controller and control him. Like, it would change literally nothing about the game at all, because either way, Wolf Link is completely optional. So, what would be the difference in the computer controlling him instead of a normal player? But maybe they weren't able to do it, like, split-screen Breath of the Wild would be too much for the Wii U, or whatever. So they decided not to do it, or something, I don't know. Um, And then there was an interview after 
Breath of the Wild released where Al Numa said that he wanted to take the engine of Breath of the Wild and apply it with what he learned from the multiplayer and Triforce Heroes. Um, I think that was a Game Informer. Yeah, Game Informer interview uh, shortly after Breath of the Wild released where it was, if you guys seen it, um, it had Alanuma and Miyamoto both sitting on a couch being interviewed by someone at Game Informer. And that's when he said it in that interview. And it made me think that, like, I don't know. Like, it was, was that just... Or... Sorry. No, I, I was done. It was just Wasn't confusing it... because... Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it seems like Alan Uma's always wanted to make some sort of big multiplayer Zelda game, but Nintendo's like, no, just make it single player. <laughs> Well, yeah, either okay, that so... or it's cheesy multiplayer, like Triforce Heroes or Four Swords. It's not in like a mainline serious game, so that would be a really nice uh, change. So, do you think this would be um, local compatible or online only? Because I think it'd be really hard for one Switch to keep track of two players if they're pretty much allowed to go wherever they want. Yeah, and it could still be one at a time, like in single player. You choose if you want to control Link or Zelda one at a time, and in multiplayer, it switches and the screen focuses entirely on that person. Um, that would be bad for combat. Like you just have to leave Link getting uh, beaten up by Bokoblins and switch over to Zelda. But uh, I could see it working well for puzzles. Yeah, I. It would be odd because I'm thinking and. Like, I don't think the Wii U would be able to handle multiplayer Breath of the Wild because it already has enough trouble trying to run it without frame drops. But I think the Switch would be able to to handle it. Like, maybe not if it's in handheld mode, then you would need to connect to another Switch. But if you're playing it on, the like, a big TV in docked mode, yeah, and you... It- yeah. Yeah. You had the could, extra power from the Doctor Moon. It could make concessions like Hyrule Warriors did. The frame rate goes down a little bit when you go split screen, but it's okay. Alright, so uh it, it sounds like we we all want to see playable Zelda, uh and we would so just to summarize, we, we want to see playable Zelda but and we want Zelda's to be... playable in every Zelda game. but we we would like to see Zelda actually be a unique entity and not just a cosmetic change yeah it is the year of female empowerment if you saw Toy Story 4 I have not Zelda could be the Bo Peep of Zelda yeah (laughs) I I, yeah what Glenn was saying I think that they would need to have completely different movesets like I imagine Link being the combat guy like he always is but then he also has like a few different magical techniques but then zelda most of her power is actual powers so i think something like that would be cool if she was more of a mage type person yeah well i think we'll be in luck nintendo is so mechanics focused like they don't make a sequel unless there's some new hook that they can advertise uh just take luigi's mansion for example it's not just the same controls you can now slam ghosts and whatnot like they they will hardly ever make a sequel where uh nothing 
changes or there's not some new hook. All right. Uh, gosh, I was going to say, give me a second. Um, yeah, so, but with Zelda, like I said, if we have Link be one gameplay style in Zelda, that actually may be a really good compromise for one of the uh, major conflicts between, you know, old school Zelda fans and people who really like Breath of the Wild because people are like, well, I kind of like the item-based gameplay of older Zelda games. And, you know, yeah, with this, it could be like... Going back to the Zelda, keeping the Sheikah Slate could be, well, you know, again, if you want to play a more old school Zelda, you play as Link. And if you want to play a more modern feeling, uh, you know, something that feels more like Breath of the Wild, you can play as Zelda. So I think it, it's honestly, it, it would be a very clever solution to that. I think it's a genius. And I think we're all hired. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Just wait on our checks from Alanuma. Yes. So. Let's uh let's move on to uh, weapons. So okay, what did you all think of breakable weapons, and do you want that mechanic to return? <sighs> okay, so mine is really quick. Okay, because I was talking about this a few days ago on my podcast that the only thing that really bothered me because. I felt that the breakable items and breakable weapons did force you to use things that you otherwise would never use. Some people would get the Master Sword and never use anything else. Um, but instead of the Master Sword breaking or losing its energy or whatever, which didn't really make sense because it's still the Master Sword. Like, it's still a giant metal sword. That I don't Like, you could still hit something with it. Yeah. So instead of it going to, like, zero damage and not being able to use it, like, it should go from whatever it is. Like you can upgrade it to 60 or I think it comes standard at like 30. Right. Have it drop down to 10. So like it uses, it loses its magic qualities, but you can still use it as a sword until it regains its magic or whatever. That's the only complaint I would have because otherwise, why is this sword? Like it's the only thing that can defeat evil, but it's like breaking really quick yeah um my issue with breakable weapons is that um i i honestly think that the game should have at some point just handed you a weapon that didn't break you know and maybe it could have a mechanic like you described i was thinking it just didn't have great stats you know like have 30 attack or whatever and that way they're that would, one, make that weapon actually feel special, and two, there would be a point in the game where your priorities with weapons shifts from getting whatever you can to getting weapons that specialize at solving certain tasks uh, and hanging on to those. So I, I think, um, because I, I, the thing is, I think so much of Breath of the Wild's balance and design is slanted towards the, the beginning of the game. Mm. where it, it makes perfect sense that this is in place at the beginning of the game, but it makes absolutely no sense to have it stay that way throughout to the end to the end game, because at the end game, it just becomes a nuisance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. You haven't played Animal Crossing, right, Glenn? Uh, I played the first one on GameCube, but it's, it's okay. been a while. So yeah, you can upgrade and get golden shovels, axes, fishing poles, and stuff like that that will not break. And I think that's the perfect solution for Breath of the Wild as well. Because, yeah, it is cool to have to scavenge and use sticks and stuff when you're starting out. But uh, for the players who really care and who want to 
get all the shrines or all the Korok seeds or something. They don't want to have to deal with their weapons breaking all the time. I think it should be optional to either find weapons that are unbreakable or pay enough rupees to reinforce them or something like that. Yeah, that, that would be really cool. If there was um, a cool way they could do it is if there was like a special blacksmith or something in the same way that you can upgrade all of your tunics and stuff. Yeah. If you could take him a weapon with some stardust or whatever it is that you find, some sort of magic powder, and then give them like a thousand rupees along with whatever items they needed, then they could make it to where it, it just won't break. But exactly. it, it's really, really expensive. Yeah, well, I was thinking the champion's weapons. You just have those not break, and you know you get those for from doing a quest or something, uh, and then maybe you can upgrade them after a while because the champion's weapons are the most superfluous thing I can think of. Because it's like here's this <laughs> you know really important sword that you know it's it belonged to the champion. You break it. It's like uh, I broke I broke your ancestral weapon. Oh, we can reforge it for a diamond. No, I already have a bunch of swords that are better than it anyway. I just used your ancestral weapon to uh, to break rocks. Yep. Yeah, that that's what I didn't understand. Is like it makes sense if like you're hitting metal against metal, like maybe your sword breaks or something. But if you have a bow and arrow. <laughs> like and it breaks like it's just a string like you could just get well, another the, the actual wood might crack <laughs> at some point yeah but probably not after 20 arrows yeah no. well i don't know we don't know where those boca blends got the wood or what they've been doing with it in the meantime i assume they chew on those things just as like a nervous <laughs> habit at least <laughs> at least the items aren't as bad as uh the giant's knife from ocarina of time where it's like three hits and then it just breaks. Yep. Okay, so weapons, they could use a couple refinements. What about combat? Uh, everybody here happy with the combat, or do you have any suggestions for the development team? Jesse, do you have anything, or uh, should I go first? Yeah, um, another quick one is bring back everything they had with Breath of the Wild, but then add in the hidden skills from Twilight Princess as well. That's a very good suggestion. I agree. Um, oh yeah. Mm. Honestly, I just thought combat was kind of boring in Breath of the Wild because it's very much just move, hit, move, hit, move, hit. Um, so was it boring for you even when you went up against the big guys with life meters and stuff? It was that was exciting for like the first time, but after the fiftieth time, I went up against a big enemy. Um, <laughs> Because there aren't enough enemies in the game, and that's another thing we, should, you know, put a pin in that. But I, I think really the issue is just that it, there, there needs to be a couple of extra wrinkles, like because, uh, an extra decisions you can make, because the combat is really basic, and I, I think, you know, maybe not trying to go to Skyward Sword levels where you know you have complete control over the sword, but you know, going back to as Jesse recommended, something like uh, Twilight Princess, that I think that could add that extra layer. Okay, and more enemy <clears throat> variety as well, right? Enemies that can only be defeated with certain types of swords or arrows or something uh, that have to be approached in different ways. That would also help. Yeah, I, I, because mostly enemies in Breath of the Wild are a variant of the Boko Blend. You know, you have the Moblins, which are just big Boko Blends, and you have the Lizalfos, which are just fast Boko Blends. 
basically. So, and then the undead, var undead variants. I'd, I'd like to see some returning classic Zelda enemies that are non-humanoid, because I think the game lacks some of that. Um, which, interestingly, they like, had wolves and stuff, you know, so sometimes you get attacked by animals. You know, they had all of these different animals, and then not many types of enemies. Uh, I'd, I'd also like to see stuff where, you know, more boss-type enemies, and I... In general, I just like to see the enemies be like more regional, because okay. you know if I go to like the desert, I'm finding Lizalfos, and I, if I go to the volcano, I'm finding Lizalfos, and if I go onto a frozen mountain, I'm finding Lizalfos. Why are there lizards in the snow? That's not a thing. Um, <laughs> so I, I'd really like to see it where certain enemies like, and you know, if you really need to reuse enemy behaviors to save time and money, then, then just make the live Zalfos in the mountains Wolfos. Okay? It's it's not hard. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd like to see some areas have unique enemies. So, because I tend to go one area at a time, so that would, even on a very long playthrough, that would have, for me at least, and the way I play, um, me encountering new stuff uh, at a pretty regular pace. Yeah. Cool. I, I think those are great suggestions. What do you well, think, Jesse? I, yeah, I, I was just gonna say uh, with with the new enemies and stuff. I I would really have loved to have seen uh, dark nuts in Breath of yes, the Wild. Yes, exactly. Or iron knuckles. And hey, you know, with Hyrule Castle rising out of the ground and all these caves and stuff that are apparently going to be there, might happen. Just saying. Yeah, like the uh, the Lynels will charge after you or they'll like shoot an arrow up in the sky and it'll come back down on you but i really like the idea and the concept in ocarina of time and twilight princess where like as you attack them and knock off their armor they get a lot faster and a lot more aggressive to where at first they're moving around really slow so it could be something to where like you could just throw bombs at them from afar like a lot of people do to cheat certain enemies whenever they're low on health they'll just like spam the Sheikah Slate bombs mm -hmm. um, but then once the armor breaks off now you suddenly can't do that because they'll run after you with a, a faster sword and you have to be a lot more defensive so I think something like that would really change up the combat because most of the enemies in Breath of the Wild you just fight them the same way the entire time. They don't really change their offense or defense. So yeah. something like that would be really cool. Exactly. Though I will ha give them props that the enemies do try to flank you, which I appreciate. But yeah, so I want to run an idea by you because I've had this image stuck in my head for years now. Is that, you know, you're, you're running along, you're traipsing through the fields of Hyrule, and then you see in the distance like a, a armored figure with the sword... Uh, planted in the ground just standing there unmoving and then you like slowly approach it and like slowly turns to look at you picks up the sword and then like this music starts playing so what, what do you think would that be a, like a great way to introduce a, a dark nut yeah I I think that would be interesting um, I know in Breath of the Wild as you're trying to explore around the castle there's those rooms where you'll walk in 
and the doors will just shut or the mm-hmm. gates will shut and you're locked in there with the Lionel. Something like that would be interesting to where you walk in, there's like an armored statue in the corner and then it comes out or something like you described. And I like the idea of in the Spirit Temple and Ocarina of Time, it's uh, Nibiru that they like brainwashed and turned against you. So if the same way that the calamity like goes and affects the different beings, like we see in the the cutscene, the red pinkish calamity magic goes and like it gets absorbed by all the different enemies. If that happened with the different knights of Hyrule who are supposed to be protecting Hyrule and then the calamity gets to them and it turns them into these monstrous dark nuts. That would have been really cool as well. Yeah, that, that would be cool. Uh, well, I'm optimistic about this too, because I think it's a no brainer for Nintendo. That's one of the advantages of getting to reuse the engine and the world of a game like breath of the wild is now you just get to step everything up a notch and you've, you don't have to reprogram everything it's much easier to just insert a couple new enemies or uh, take them from previous games and update the designs a bit. All right. Uh, I don't want to spend, you know, minutes and minutes on items, but stuff like... Okay, so when I put items in the uh, outline, what I meant was like classic Zelda equipment items, not... Oh, okay, I was thinking food and whatnot. Okay. Now, I like yeah. I like food and the way it was done. I think maybe they should give you a slightly more limited inventory or at the very least explain how potions work because most of my inventory was just health restorative items and I yep. actually had to look up online uh, how potions worked after yeah. I'd already completed the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, so what, what do you guys think of like I, I thought the, the Sheikah Slate was an interesting move because it gave you everything at the beginning, and my favorite Zelda game does that in a way, Link Between Worlds, but I don't know, something about it felt uh, kind of empty. What what are your thoughts on uh, items, classic equipment items coming back or, you know, in, in some capacity? Well, I love what you guys already said. Just if they could have that marriage of both the Breath of the Wild approach and the classic Zelda approach and even split it up between two characters, that would really be the best of both worlds because we are fickle as fans and we say we want new things. We're getting tired of the formulas and then they uh, break all the formulas and then we say go back to the old stuff. So maybe having both is the way to go. What do you think, Jesse? So something we were saying earlier about having the weapons break if they had it so that you did get the the breakable items or whatever but then when you went into the actual dungeon you would get like the version of the item that doesn't break similar to how when you defeat a divine beast and save a champion they'll give you whatever weapon it is that they had or you'll be able to get it soon after Um, If it was something similar to where every bow that you would get would break after so many uses, but once you're in a certain dungeon or divine beast or temple, whatever they end up bringing back, halfway through you beat the mini boss and then you get this special bow that doesn't break. And then that's their way of saying like, hey, it's not 
um, like we're giving you the option to use all of the breakable stuff like you had in Breath of the Wild, but if you want to play it the old way, then here's your bow that you get in whatever dungeon, or here's the bomb bag that you get in the dungeon. Yeah, that's Makes actually uh, that that's a pretty sensible compromise is having the items you know be regular equipment slots, maybe weapons or whatever, and then um, and then have an unbreakable one that uh, at some point um i don't know for for some reason now i want boomerangs to be mapped to the, uh, <laughs> the bow inventory instead of the melee inventory but yeah okay. honestly what i really want is i just i i want to see the game because my favorite moments i think my favorite moments in breath of the wild were when i got Rivoli's gale and when i got the motorcycle because those felt the most like classic Zelda power-up items because they fundamentally changed the way you interact with your environment. And I think that's what I disliked about getting everything at the start is that a major appeal of the Zelda formula is, for me at least, is looking at your environment uh, differently as you progress through the game, as you get more items that allow you to take advantage of certain opportunities. So, you know... I'd, I'd like to at some point get a hook shot so that instead of having to climb up a cliff, I could say, oh, there's a tree up there. I can hook shot to that. You know, you, you couldn't use it everywhere, but little, little instances like that. And maybe that would encourage you not to cut down every tree you see. <laughs> I, I might be jinxing us here, but I'm optimistic for that as well. I, I think that because we've already been through the world of Hyrule, even if they're changing some things, I mean, they're probably reusing the general locations and stuff like that, the map. Uh, I think that they will allow us to get through it quicker. And with things like hook shots for skipping some of the climbing and stuff. Um, you know, I think we're pr practically developing the perfect game right here in this conversation. <laughs> so I hope that Nintendo uh, does some common sense decisions with it. But at the same time, the development team is probably feeling huge pressure just to fill the the shoes of such a huge game that did so well. Uh, so well, it's going to be really interesting what creative decisions they make. I don't know. As best as I understand it, the way it usually goes is this is the time where the programmers go, okay, all that horrible code that we did at the last second just to get it to work, we let's go back and actually do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of big creative decisions, uh, let's talk about dungeons and shrines. Which approach do you think that they should take with this game? Because uh, dungeons were missed, but okay, so uh, shrines were a pretty good thing, too. I have a crazy idea for this, um, and it's probably because I've been watching a lot of Mega Man Legends Let's Plays here in the last couple months, but I'm thinking, okay, bring back classic dungeons, but make it so that it's all one giant underground labyrinth huh and you just have certain sections that you have to go through and complete but you know you can go from one you can step out of that and go through a bunch of like little shrines and stuff and they're all kind of connected and have their own little challenges associated with it so it, it would feel more like a classic zelda dungeon in some aspects because you would have the big enclosed uh underground locations but, you know, you could also kind of do this free exploration thing, you know, going spelunking through caves. Uh, 
I like it. I could see that. I mean, the challenge would be making them all have their own kind of character and themes like lava ones and ice ones but, oh like they did uh, that last time sorry <laughs> they, they didn't yeah and i think that's one of the reasons that people got a little tired of shrines because it was the same music the same kind of aesthetics so yeah if they can vary it a little bit i think that would be good and uh, i like your idea of the underground caverns and sections of of a massly sprawling dungeon um I can see that tying in with the story too. Like you have mm-hmm. to get to the core and you have to find all eight orbs or something. So you tunnel in from each direction and you can do them probably in any order. I think that's maybe one of the things that will carry on from the first game is uh, with the open world getting to uh, defeat them in whichever order you'd like to. So I would. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I would like to see a mix of both. So instead of having like 120 shrines with four, maybe five, if you want to count um, Ganon's castle, or just not Ganon's castle, the Hyrule castle. Well, I mean, Breath at that point, Wild. it effectively is yeah, Ganon's castle. <laughs> true. So you, you have the 120 shrines, the four or five dungeons. Instead of doing that, give us like the same amount of dungeons that Twilight Princess had uh, since this world's even bigger if they want to get very generous uh, have up to 15 dungeons and then just cut the number of shrines down in half that way you still or instead of having them as shrines have them as little mini dungeons of their own that fit into the environment like in Twilight Princess there was the caves that you could just walk through and they had these some were just one room puzzles some had like two or three uh, different puzzles in it. Like I remember there was one, I forgot what it was, but you would go through the top and then you could just fall down and there was the the gravity thing where you'd have to put the boots on at the very last second to get like stuck on the, the gravity magnet thing, whatever it was. And then you'd walk around, get the chest, and then you could leave. Um So if they had something like that to where it wasn't necessarily a shrine, like maybe there are still certain shrines, but for the most part, they actually fit into the environment. Like you bomb a wall and now there's a cave there or something like that. Yeah, a little more organic. Yeah. uh, Being able to discover those puzzles in the overworld. I like that. Yeah. Like give us a reason to re-explore around Hyrule mm-hmm. since we're reusing it. So on the subject of shrines, do you want, do you think shrines should be the major source of um, progression like they were in Breath of the Wild where that's how you upgrade your health and your stamina? Because, I don't know, on one way I like the fact that it is kind of streamlined and um, uh, unified, but, at, you know, because then you're not going to be doing any annoying mini games that you hate but at the same time i kind of i kind of miss the fact that mini quests actually gave you interesting stuff like heart containers you know when someone asks you hey can you deliver this letter for me you're always like hmm there may be a heart container at the end of this or you know doing a mini game is you get an upgrade for your quiver or whatever and now it's just like hey you want to do this game to make money no Money's boring. It's just a number. <laughs> yeah. I, what if... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. <sighs> sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Um, 
I I would do it so that dungeons and side quests would give you hearts and stuff, but mm-hmm. then the shrines, you would still get spirit orbs, but the spirit orbs would be used to, like, not necessarily level up your character, like upgrade your attack and defense and stuff, but you'd be able to use it to upgrade stamina, or you'd be able to use it to... Uh, make your uh, spells and stuff stronger. Like, whatever it was that you had with the, the magic that you had with your Sheikah Slate. Instead of going to the ancient tech lab, or whatever they were called, mm-hmm. and doing it that way, if you use the spirit orbs to upgrade your magic or abilities and stuff, and then you got hearts the normal way through side quests and stuff. I, th- I think that yeah, would be a perfect mix. I can see that. I want this convention to be broken. So what if Link didn't get so Metroid primed this time and you actually got to carry over your hearts and your stamina from the first game because this is a direct sequel. So I would like to see something creative where... Maybe your character actually gets weaker as you progress through the game. Maybe Link has this shadow infection and it's uh, taking away one of his hearts progressively um, to where you have to survive with less and less until you beat the game. Um, I think I would prefer something like that rather than starting with three hearts and uh, collecting heart containers and stuff like that. That would be really interesting. Honestly. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, honestly, it's it would be the same concept to whereas as you progress through the game, the enemies get stronger. Um, and then you can get more hearts to equal out with them. But if they did it so that you lost health, it would be the same as if you just had the same amount of hearts throughout the entire game and the enemies got stronger as yeah. you went. It's the, it would be the same concept as you losing hearts as the enemies stayed the same so i could see that working and you'd have to balance like do i want to go attack zombie ganon now while i have the most hearts or do i want to try to get these certain weapons or abilities and then storm the cave yeah it's interesting i don't know if that that's one of those things where i could very easily see that backfiring and people feeling kind of um kind of slighted by that i I don't know interesting concept and i've actually considered you know that as a game design feature but i think it works better in like say a survival horror game than necessarily an adventure game where a major part of it is going out and uh getting stronger and better equipped okay so any other quality of life improvements you'd like to see in a sequel uh, maybe just things that annoyed you about the first game. I know if Simeon were here, he would talk about the throwing button. I think he'd like to turn that off or reassign it or something because he accidentally threw so many swords off of cliffs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the throw button just felt superfluous to me. Like, why did you, they even have that? What what got me was I kept trying to throw bombs and Link would just drop it at his feet instead of chucking it. Yeah. Because, you know, you press forward and you press the, the A button. That's how you throw in Zelda. Um, so I, I think I would like to see that. I would like to see better menu screens. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Not only the ability to switch between categories like inventory and um, items and all that, but also be able to page through things quickly because you know when you get to like your all of your food or your items or whatever, you have to scroll through each of those individual categories instead of like ha- being able to just hit maybe like the right stick to page through them instantly, you know, go through each page instantly. You know, stuff like that. What about you, Jesse? I have four things. Some of them go back to items because I forgot about them, but they okay. kind of go in with the, the quality of life because it offers up uh, different gameplay stuff. So one, fishing. Um, like Majora's Mask had no fishing originally, and then they put two fishing ponds in the game for some reason. When the original had none. Breath of the Wild has more water than any other Zelda game. Probably aside from Wind Waker. And and Glass. Yeah. But you could not fish in Breath of the Wild. You had to like literally catch the fish with your own hands. Well, I mean, you uh, could do redneck fishing by chucking them <laughs> into the water and blowing it up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the second thing would be to kind of go along with that is underwater exploration was missing. I think that would add in a lot of uh, great gameplay mechanic ideas. Uh, third would be uh, I had the idea of like how they would be able to give new abilities or incorporate old items and stuff from past games into Breath of the Wild 2. And one that I kept thinking of was... Um, like so many games have double jumps and I was trying to think of a way like how could you give Breath of the Wild a double jump like maybe there are certain areas that you just can't reach until you uh, have the ability to do some sort of double jump and in Breath of the Wild they gave you uh, Rivali's Gale which lets you jump super high up in the air and then glide um but I was thinking of the, um, oh god, what was the name of them? The hover boots from Ocarina of Time, and I thought it would be really cool if they gave the hover boots the feature to allow you to do a double jump. Like you would jump normally, like you do in Breath of the Wild, but then if you double click it, then the wings will flap or something on the boots, and it'll allow you to do a double jump. I think something yeah. like that would be really. But those are my things. I, I suppose that does bring up another point is that I I like that equipment has some uh, like I guess perks like a, a you know perk system or uh, feats if you are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons terminology but I I don't know I, I think they were a little too reliant on it and I think some of those should be like streamlined to Oh, like in uh, Skyward Sword, Link got heat-resistant earrings that magically protected him. I think that maybe some more stuff like that. Not necessarily the heat-resistant earrings. I think that the like the Goron fireproof suit was fine. Uh, that one made sense. But, you know, have, having some of those things... Um, also, having the ability, like, somewhere in the game to upgrade your stamina regeneration... Right, because the more stamina you get, the more time you spend waiting for it to re- to regenerate That's in Breath true. of the Wild. So having somewhere, and I'm I'm totally fine with that being an upgrade and not just an inherent 
part of the system. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, little things like that. You know, just where if, if if I have to do the item system like Breath of the Wild, at least give me like little perks. I think that's one of the reasons um, Link Between Worlds resonated with me so so much is because you still got upgrades from the dungeons. You just uh, uh, you know. You just had to find them in the dungeon. Then you had like a blue tunic, or or to upgrade your sword or whatever. It, you know, of course, those examples don't really work in Breath of the Wild because of the way equipment works. But you know, stuff like that where you can upgrade yourself with little little bonuses and little things like that, like um, the Zora armor, being able to swim up waterfalls. I thought that was a really weird thing to tie to one piece of armor to the point where I forgot I even had it as an ability. Oh yeah. Yeah, good point. Well, I like it, guys. You had it uh, well thought out. So what about music? Um, are we looking forward to music maybe being a little more front and center this time around? It was uh, very kind of abbreviated backseat in Breath of the Wild. And I like in this trailer, at least so far, it seems like we're going to have some really creepy tunes when we're in the appropriate places in the game. But yeah, I think they could put more of an emphasis on the score. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Jesse. No, there's not much oh, okay. that I can yeah, say I'd, about I'd that. Like just see, yes. I'd like to see music uh, be a little bit more front and center. What I would like is really just a discernible Hyrule um, field theme, like in previous Zelda games, and then have it like have variations that can blend into each other as you explore. And so, you know, Southern Hyrule what, uh, will have a different uh, theme, sound, a sound to the theme, you know. And Southern Hyrule is kind of like swampy and tropical and stuff, right, if I recall. So have that, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a tropical flair and some different instruments uh, as accompaniment. And then if you get north, it uh, maybe... You know, maybe slows down and, and gets a, a bit more ominous as you get into, like, uh, snowy fields and stuff. But, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I didn't even realize, like, there was different background songs for different areas on the map, like when you're on a mountain and stuff, until yeah. I actively started paying attention to the music, mm-hmm. which, you know. They did something similar. I think this is similar to what you were saying um but in skyward sword when you are in the um the the shark area yeah Yeah. it plays the same song but when you go to different areas it's just like different instruments are louder than others and it kind of like dynamically changes on where you go so if they did something like that to where maybe if you go towards uh like goron city or death mountain it's like drums and stuff uh like um, because that's the items that they use. Or if there's, say, there's a Deku Palace or something using Majora's Mask since that has defined instruments for all of the different uh, races. So, like, if there's, like, a Deku race or something, when you go to the swamps, maybe it's, like, more pipes and stuff. Or, for some reason, Zora's played guitar. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I I would really really like to see Deku Scrubs make a return instead of weird Octoroks wearing leaves on their heads. That that would actually be really interesting if that was like a a, a new faction that just emerged somehow. It wouldn't make any sense from a lore uh, perspective. You'd have to do uh, quite quite a bit of uh, 
you'd have to write around that uh, pretty cleverly to, to incorporate them, but that would be interesting. Well, the more and more we talk about this game, the sooner I want to play it. So when do you think this will come out? When are we going to get our hands on Breath of the Wild 2? Next year. <laughs> nah, okay. I'm not, I'm not so optimistic. Um, well, I do think that there is something to be said about the fact that they're reusing the engine, but I think it's going to be uh, holiday 2021 at the earliest, possibly later. I don't know, probably sooner because Metroid Prime had ba- has basically been scrapped, so that's probably going to be like the, the Switch's swan, swan song, assuming the Switch has a regular life cycle. Okay, so holiday 2021 is what Glenn's putting his money on. Uh, where would you place it in the year if we were get to get it next year, Jesse? Probably around the holiday season. because The reason that I think it could come out so quickly is because all of the different reasons they gave for Breath of the Wild uh, being delayed, like they originally wanted the the development cycle for Zelda Wii U to be three years. Um, that's what they said after Skyward Sword, that they wanted to make this huge Zelda game in HD for the Wii U, and they wanted a three-year development time. Um, but then it got delayed and delayed and delayed because of a bunch of different things. They're not making it for two different consoles now, so that shortens the development time. They're not making it... Um, from the ground up, from absolutely nothing. They have experience in this engine that is already perfected, so they don't have to worry about making sure the lighting is working correctly. They don't have to make sure the uh, the physics or the gravity is working correctly. They don't have to make sure anything. They can reuse textures, trees, character models, everything. Since it's the same Hyrule, it would make sense for it to have all of the same characters, maybe some new ones. Um, All of the areas, like Zora's Domain, everything, like they could add on to it, saying that they built onto it within the year or so that the game has been going on. But for the most part, everything's basically already done. They just have to make a new story and everything. And a lot of people like to use... Uh, Majora's Mask made within a year for Ocarina of Time because they reused everything. But they really didn't reuse everything. They reused character models and stuff, but the story was made within that year. All of the different dungeons were was made within that year. All of the side quests, all of the programming, the side quests and characters. The entire world of Termina was made within that year. But the way that people talk about it is... Like, when they say they reused everything from Ocarina of Time, it makes people think um, that they really didn't have to do anything. And they forget that Nintendo had to create this whole new world of Termina within that year as well. Um, So it kind of takes out a lot of the the actual work that went into Majora's Mask. And I think the, the same thing with this game, to where they're reusing literally the world this time they might have to go in and like make new dungeons and stuff and stories but for the most part it's it's already done and they're only working on it for switch they already have experience in the engine so they know what they can do what they can't do so yeah i think two and a half years would be more than enough time makes sense well i think both of you have 
a good shot at being correct, but I'm going to go a little bit in between and say maybe Nintendo wants to catch lightning in a bottle again and kind of uh, recreate the Switch launch. So what if it was to come out in March 2021 and launch alongside a Switch Pro model? That would be great. So it could have uh, Switch Pro enhancements, but also work on the original handheld slash uh, slash home console. So, I, and I think we could see a Switch Mini anytime between now and then. But uh, Switch Pro might come in March. They they know that that slot actually ended up working out well for a console release. So, it could happen. Yeah, because then you get the the two big pushes for the console. For the launch and then holiday season. Yep. Okay, so I just have one last question for everyone, and that is uh, the excitement level. So, Jesse, you first. As both a gamer but also a content creator, I imagine that this was pretty rejuvenating for your for your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, for a while, we just kind of... Uh, we would still have a scripted video once a week, like a theory or a top 10 or something. But for the most part, the channel fell to just the podcast, uh, the Highland Games cast, which was nice. But we would always get questions from new people uh, asking what our thoughts were on like the next big Zelda game. And we'd answered it so many times and made videos dedicated to just that topic that we stopped answering the question. And then Nintendo announces their next big Zelda game, so we're just in that cycle again. <laughs> basically, re- we're yeah, basically we're remaking videos that we made a long time ago. Because when we answer the question or make a video on it, we're just saying the same thing that we said a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And as a Nintendo fan and a Zelda fan. Yeah, I'm. I. I'm just really excited to to see where they go and where it ends and i'm hoping there'll be time travel or something or uh like skyward sword ocarina of time majora's mask the oracle games they all had their versions of time travel uh breath of the wild had memories um it wasn't necessarily time travel but you did get to see what the past looked like um but i hope they explore that more in this game and that's my big nintendo fanboy thing that i want um but that and just the story like where it's going to take you are they going to tie it into different games and stuff because breath of the wild had callbacks to a bunch of other games and i'm wondering if they'll do that in breath of the wild too to where um they'll call back to a bunch of different games as well all right, Glenius Maximus, you thought you were going to make it through this whole podcast without a nickname, but uh, not so lucky. So, uh, I'm sorry, was that you asking for my feedback, or is that just you messing with me with a nickname? It was both. Okay, so, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm definitely excited, but I am also, have what was the term for it? I have trepidations? Would that be the term? Anyway, um... Mm-hmm. I I really was kind of hoping it would be just a completely new Zelda so that they could... Because on one hand, knowing that's a sequel to Breath of the Wild does kind of help temper my expectations because it's like, okay, there's probably going to be some of the junk I didn't like in the first game here. So I'm, I'm prepared for that. But, you know, 
So, but I, I just kind of wanted to uh, to see a, a new world with this, um, a, a new version of Hyrule that blended more of uh, the old stuff that uh, we knew worked with the new stuff that we now know works. So I'm excited for it, but I'm also trying to keep my expectations in check, uh, knowing that there's there's probably going to be some uh, some some wonky mechanics that don't quite feel right, at least from my perspective. You mentioned wonky mechanics. What did you think about the Blood Moon? Because technically, since they got rid of Calamity Ganon, the Blood Moon shouldn't be in the next game. That's an interesting point. Um, mm. hmm. The Blood Moon is like a developer trick they use to just reload <laughs> the overworld. I didn't mind the Blood Moon, especially since they let you skip the little cutscene. So I don't. I I understood why it was there, and I was okay with it. My only real issue with the Blood Moon was when I like I had three of them happen in the span of five minutes. Yeah, because stuff like that happened. Um, How did that happen? I don't know, but <laughs> it it speeds up the process of the Blood Moon. Like if you open a chest on like one part of the map, and then you quickly run to another part of the map, and you cut down trees and kill enemies, and then you go to another part. The RAM in the Switch uh. or the Wii U has to keep track of every single thing that you've done. And wow. eventually it gets to a point to where the RAM fills up. And it's like, okay, you're here now, but you've done all this other stuff and cut down all these other trees and everything and these other parts of the map. And we don't have enough RAM to remember more stuff. So we're going to give you a Blood Moon and reset Hyrule well, to clear up the RAM. I, I understand that. It... <laughs> So what actually you, you, happened in my case is that I've actually had the Blood Moon like happen, and then 30 seconds later it happens again, and I'm just walking through town or whatever shopping. I, you must that must have just been a bug or a glitch. Weird. Or my experience <laughs> with the Blood Moon is the Blood Moon <laughs> is really glitchy, and if I, if I had to hazard a guess, I'd say probably. Just knowing what I know about game engine design, probably there's some way that the game checks to make sure that its uh, cache isn't corrupted. And if it does get corrupted, it calls the Blood Moon to basically flush the cache and um, reset everything. So probably what happened is the first Blood Moon screwed something up. Uh, the first Blood Moon, which was scheduled, either screwed something up or failed to fix something. The game's uh, auto cache validation um algorithm detected it uh said oh wait there's a problem here and then did like a hard reset with the uh second blood moon yeah so but so that's why you, that's why you really wanted to kill calamity ganon you're like we got to get rid of this horrible blood moon yeah i i enjoy all that technical stuff of like the behind the scenes and like the making of and how things work in the yeah. engines and stuff so. oh, yeah, well, absolutely. I, I hadn't heard of that before so thanks for sharing well, I'm really excited. Personally, I love getting back into Breath of the Wild and getting ready for the sequel. And uh, it's going to be interesting because Nintendo could play this a little bit too safe and we'll end up with something far too similar or they could change some of the things that made Breath of the Wild really great. Um, but I think if they just listen to all of our ideas on this podcast, we'll be pretty pretty much set, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's close out with uh, some quick plugs, and then we'll give Jesse some more time for plugs. So, uh, Glenn, are we doing anything Zelda-related? 
Uh, yes, actually, but we are uh, working on a uh, tabletop RPG uh, podcast where I, as the uh, sage or the dungeon master, uh, guide Scott, uh, a, a guest star that we have for the tabletop podcast, uh, Nathan Blake of Nathan Blake Games, uh, and Ryan through a Zelda-styled uh, adventure in tabletop RPG format. I love this idea. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that'll be out. That'll be out already. Do you just want to say something like you can check it out now, Glenn? Yeah, uh, by the time you hear this, you you can go ahead and check that out now. And okay. uh, episodes come out whenever they're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse, please plug uh, everything or as much stuff as you'd like because our listeners and viewers need somewhere to go. Okay, uh, everything... To make it simple is slash or at Game Over Jesse. So YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, everything. Uh, YouTube.com slash Game Over Jesse. Twitter.com slash Game Over Jesse. So if uh, we try to have daily videos, uh, usually we have our podcast segments go up every day throughout the week. And then once or twice a week, we will have uh, more scripted videos like top tens or theories or whatever and then if uh important news comes out that can't wait to be uh, a discussion on a podcast then we'll talk about it um as soon as we can that day or the next day or something and just to be clear it's all very very zelda focused right yeah it's a, a very zelda focused podcast and youtube channel um the podcast is Highland Games Cast, which is on iTunes and everywhere, but the YouTube channel's name is just Game Over Jesse. And yeah, you can go and see a bunch of different videos. Sometimes we talk about Pokemon, Mario, other Nintendo games, but for the most part, it is Zelda focused. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being such a good friend of the crew, and it's been awesome to see your success over the years. Thank you. Thank you. We just passed uh, 80,000 subscribers a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it was right before E3 started, so that was exciting. Maybe we That's can amazing. reach 100 before E3 next year. So most likely you're going to get Breath of the Wild uh, 2 a bit early to review, right? It's funny because my one of my podcast hosts, Kayla, uh, her username, Chablima, she's a Nintendo rep for Nintendo of Canada. So I used to get some games early from Nintendo of America, but it seems they got a little bit more strict or raised what their um, requirements are. I think I heard about that because like they, some, some uh, jerk uh, leaked the, the game online before it was even released or something. That, that yeah. happened at some point. Yeah, it was something like that. And then with uh, Breath of the Wild, before it released, like two weeks before it released, actually, because I was sent a few of them. Um, but there would be people that got the game early or the Nintendo Switch early that would make fake YouTube accounts and then stream the game and make wow. it private and send the link out. Because there was a, a few people that sent me links to private streams for Breath of the Wild. And... A few months after that, I think the last game that we got was um, 
Fire Emblem Warriors. Okay. Um, but uh, our podcast host, Kayla, since she's um, an actual rep that goes out to all the different events and stuff, she still gets her games and everything early, and I'm jealous. Uh, well, hopefully you'll have some time between now and the release of Breath of Wild 2 to get back in their good graces, but that's unfortunate that Nintendo's always increasing the limits and, and the requirements and everything. Um, but one way or another, whether it's a couple weeks before or right when the game comes out, I know you'll have a bunch of good coverage, so we're looking forward to it. Thank you. And thank uh, you all for inviting me. Oh, Absolutely. sure thing. It's great. It's great to finally have uh, such a longtime friend of the uh, the crew on the podcast. Yeah. All right. This has been episode seventeen. I'm Scott, joined by Glenn and Game Over Jesse. Thanks for coming on, guys. Sure thing. Thank you. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.